This is the Huddle. Every Thursday from noon to two. Presented by Hunt Services and Pacific Lamp and Supply. Let's go in. The Huddle. This is the Huddle with Dave Wyman, Michael Bumpus, and Stacey Ross. The Seahawks are winners of two in a row, getting a holiday win over the Tennessee Titans. And how about this one, you guys? Another comeback win. You have had back-to-back great fourth quarters for this team. We're going to get into what needs to happen earlier in these games. But let's start with just <laughs> yeah. a comeback. Um, Dave, I'll start with you. I love this stat. Uh, this was from uh, Seahawks PR um, about back-to-back comeback wins for two separate quarterbacks. I think they yeah. said it was the last time since 99 or something crazy like that. Right, yeah, and um pete knew that stat on the plane because he told me and i was like oh wow i didn't know that and he said i think it's some kind of nfl record or something i don't know uh but yeah so um they also had another drive and i don't think that was they weren't consecutive right the two scoring drives the one in the i think there's one in the third quarter where they had the scoring drive um and the dk touchdown gets Mm -hmm. overturned but now that's five for this team right because geno's had four and drew lock has had one and the thing that occurs to me is that, like, when we talk about quarterbacks, it's like, is is he the guy that can win a game for you? And he did that five times. Now you can look at the opponents. One was Cleveland, pretty mm-hmm. good team. One was the Commanders. One was Detroit. And then Nashville or uh, Tennessee. Mm-hmm. So, And then you've got, you know, uh, Drew Locke with the, the drive against Philly. So, you know, that's one of those things you want to have. You want to have a quarterback and an offense that's able to drive the field and, and win a game for you. And that's that's what what's happened five times. Bump, what do you think about Geno's day in particular? <clears throat> I liked it. I think it started off rough. I think, um, you know, you sit for two weeks. I'm not saying two weeks is going to just derail you as a human being or a quarterback, but something's different, right? And then you got to trust your body, right? Is my growing fine? Can I push off it the way I want to? You're testing it out. And it seemed like the ball wasn't coming off with the same velocity as it was earlier. Uh, but as the, the game went on, he got more comfortable and more comfortable. You see him hitting Jason across the middle, Tyler Lockett on the sideline. Um, he seemed like to be more in control. They only had the ball, what, three times in the second half. So it's not like he had lots of opportunities to try to fix it. I think he went in at halftime, probably calmed himself down. Um, also want to show some love to Shane Waldron because I feel like he called himself a good game as yeah. well. Um, I think he understood where the holes were in the defense when it comes to throwing the football, and he exploited them. So it was a combination of Geno kind of settling down, Shane Waldron figuring out where to attack the, attack this defense, and overall, Geno having a Geno type of day, 227, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Uh, I'll start with you again for this one, then, and then head back to Dave. Um, speaking of the offense, one thing that was different in, in this game compared to the game against the Eagles was just the explosive plays for Ken Walker. He did have a really good run for 24 yards, otherwise had 34 yards on 16 carries, 2.1 yards per carry. That's not really where you want to see him, and he's capable of so much more. What kept them from being able to get the run game going in this game compared to their game against the Eagles? Um, just the strength of the Titans' defense is that defensive line. And even when they have Jeffrey Simmons missing, they were still able to get a decent push. And then I feel like um, Ken Walker at times was looking for just a home run instead of just falling forward sometimes. you got to be okay with three or four yards on a carry. Um, and um, the push from the defensive line and Ken Walker constantly looking for the cutback, I felt like had something to do with it. 
Um, so they just weren't successful when he rushed the ball 20 times for 58 yards, 2.9 per clip. You never want to see that. And then if you just take away that long of Ken Walker, man, you're hovering around, what, 30-something yards when it comes to mm-hmm. a, to running the rock. So I, I think it came down to matchups. We saw Peters was in there for a little bit, but he got banged up. I think I saw him leave the game. Um, they just won that matchup on the D-line, honestly. Won the matchup, and, uh, and Ken Walker um, not – being complacent with just falling forward for three yards. Um, we talked with uh, Wyman. We talked with Kenny Albert, who's going to be on the call for Seahawks Steelers, and we asked him if he could describe the Seahawks season. You know how he's feeling right now. He said he would use the word resilient, and a lot of that obviously has to do with not just their back-to-back wins, but being able to have comeback wins. Like each win, yeah. they won it in the fourth quarter. Do you think that makes almost more of a statement for this team? Like that's the kind of win that they needed. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, I, I think it helps. Like I said earlier, going into you know, because, like, what do we hang our hats on as far as offense? I mean, what? who are we? You know, the identity. And it's like, what do we do really well? Mm-hmm. Comeback drives. <laughs> I mean, that's yeah. really. Pretty it much. Is. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. You were talking about Kenny Walker. And he had the one run for 24 yards, you mentioned. Mm-hmm. The rest of it was 15 for 30 yards. So he averaged two yards on every other run. I've kind of grown into like okay i'm it's kind of the cost of doing business for him Hmm. like a lot of times he'll dance around in there and when he was a rookie i was like oh no don't do that but now i'm like it it didn't work in the tennessee game but uh, i feel like uh, i kind of trust him but i do think in that game he should have gone more north south look they didn't have their best players out there but the one thing about that team is that they'll hit you in the mouth and if you're trying to run against their front seven they're not super talented but they are a team that is very much like their coach they're going to be able to stop the run so but um but yeah that, i don't know I, I is that maybe that would be the question i would pose is that maybe the cost of doing business with kenny walker that he's he's going to dance around he's going to lose yardage or get a one yard two yard gain but then every once in a while you know he breaks it he's not having i don't think as good of a year and we were talking about this yesterday on our show is this team better than last year's team yeah i feel like it's kind of the same mm-hmm. kind of the same uh but you know uh i don't know that gino took a huge step i don't know that uh, I think Mafe did definitely, but they're they're a little bit better, I think. But um, yeah, I think with with Ken Walker, it's it's tough as far as where do you at what point does you just say, hey, put your foot in the ground and go right. to the south. I'm glad you brought up Boye Mafe because um, I wanted to talk about the defense, so I wanted to save like a, a good chunk of our open to do so. There have been times in watching these two games where. I kind of shake my head at the defense. I say this knowing that Julian Love had two interceptions, including a game-sealing interception against the Eagles. I say this knowing, uh, you know, that they were able to get pressure, you know, late against Tannehill, and they were able to get in there, and Boye Mafe, you know, got another sack. That being said, there have been times when I've just felt so frustrated. I've seen the frustration from fans, and yet, in back-to-back weeks, this defense has limited their opponents to 17 games, or 17 points apiece, and that is... <clears throat> pretty notable i think what's what's the what have they been able to do there yeah you know it's it's a pretty good offense that you faced against i think what they did and what pete talked about i don't (laughs) it doesn't give me a warm feeling when we talk about rope-a-dope run defense (laughs) you know i don't want to fool you yeah (laughs) but you know the one thing you got to look at um is that you know they limited the big explosive play so against san francisco the the top 10 explosive plays the number 10 play was 20 yards 
the next week, the number one play was 20 yards, <clears throat> and it wasn't till late. It was Jalen Hurts on a scramble. So, um, and then same thing. They had a 23-yard, same position quarterback. <laughs> Tannehill had like a 23-yard uh, run, and then that was pretty much it. Everything else was in the teens. So what Pete's talking about, because, you know, I'm the linebacker guy. I sit there and look at it, and I'm counting the gaps, and there's seven gaps, and then there's six guys. So they were obviously on purpose, um, you know, devoting more of their resources to stopping the big play and the throws downfield and things like that. And it kind of suffered. They suffered in the run game, really in both games. I think, you know, it was like 162 and 178 against uh, Tennessee mm-hmm. and Philly. But this week, you know, and I'm jumping the gun here a little bit, but, you know, I would feel like, you know, Tomlin late in the season, on the road. He's got two running backs that have... Backup quarterback. Yeah, backup, exactly, backup quarterback. And then you got, you know, a couple of backs that have together about 200 more yards than we have total from everybody. So I'm thinking that this week that's going to change. But it worked, right, as far as it, uh, eliminating the big plays. And, um, you know, you got a couple of wins there. So uh, I, it was kind of frustrating to watch especially being a linebacker, but for the most part, they, they limited them. Hey, Bump, how do you work back in if you're Clint Hurt and Pete Carroll, Jamal Adams, assuming he plays? Jamal Adams did return to practice yesterday. Pete Carroll, though, would not commit in a press conference to making Jamal the starter. He was like, you know, we're, we're just going to see. We're just going to see what happens. Julian's had two good games. You do have a run game here to think about with the Steelers. What do you do with Jamal? I think Julian should be the starter. I think he's earned that. Um, it wasn't given to him, right? Uh, opportunity was given to him, and he made the most of it. He was already getting snaps, but obviously got more snaps. I would use Jamal red zone and running uh, situations, clear running situations. Put him in the box and let him do his thing. He's got seven TFLs uh, so far this year. And um, I would limit his snaps as well, man, because uh, when you're coming back from that injury, man, he's not supposed to be out on the field right now. The fact that he is playing football in 2023 at this point of the year is amazing to Mm -hmm. me. So what do you do? You you put him in situation that he's best at. And to me, that's getting after the quarterback. That's uh, filling gaps at the run. That's setting the edge. That's filling the alley. Um, That is everything to do with the chaos of what's inside that box, right? Outside of the box, um, First down, first and ten, second and long, third and long. I think you throw, you let Julian do his thing. Now Julian can go down and play in the box as well. It's just that's not uh, what he does best. It's what Jamal does best. So that's what I would do: make Jamal a tackler and not a coverage guy. Yeah, and also bump. I wanted to point out I was driving in, listening to you guys, and we talked about it yesterday. So I, I'm an old man and I play pickleball. Right? <laughs> I can still run and get going, mm-hmm. but I can't stop. And that's what's going on with Jamal. And you're talking about cutting and stopping and, you know, planting your leg in the ground and shedding a blocker. Those are the things he can't do, but he can run straight ahead. And KJ earlier in the in the season was saying how Jamal needs to kind of slow down. I don't think he can. I think it's one shot. Remember that uh, play against Cleveland where he shoots the gap and runs right past the quarterback? Mm-hmm. He can't stop. You know, and I, I feel like that's that's what's going on with him. But I think that's exactly right. You you put him in there as a run stuffer and, mm-hmm. and not, you know, a guy that's going to cover. Uh, we got two more minutes here. Let's talk about another name that could be coming back and a name that might not be. Um, either of you uh, feel free to sound off on how this could impact the game. Devin Witherspoon could be coming back. Sounds good. Doesn't sound like Jordan Brooks is going to be making it back. Yeah. What does it mean for this game? 
Yeah, I think I think you know. First of all, I think Devin Witherspoon's by far the best player on defense. So uh, happy to have him back. Um, but yeah, I think it'll suffer a little bit. You know, we'll get Devin Bush is a great kid, and he. You know, he's a little undersized, but he brings a lot of pop. I don't think it was so much, you know, my opinion kind of changed. I thought when Brooks, you know, got hurt, I thought they kind of suffered mm-hmm. against the run. But really what it was was what we talked about earlier, that they weren't necessarily dedicating a lot of resources to stopping the run. So, uh, you know, he can plug a hole. And I think if they – if they uh, and he comes downhill and he's very fast. So I think you're definitely going to miss – uh, JB just because he's he's a good player yeah. and he's like the most solid steady guy on that defense he, he never does wrong so yeah I think uh, I think it'll be okay as long as they approach it differently defensively that was more about the the approach than it was any individual play all right we have a pair of Seahawks that are going to join us back to back Abe Lucas is going to join us first Devin Bush speaking of the linebacker is going to join us coming up at 12 30 this is the huddle don't go anywhere This is The Huddle, presented by Hunt Services and Pacific Lamp and Supply, every Thursday from noon to 2 on Seattle Sports. This is The Huddle with Dave Wyman, Michael Bumpus, and Stacey Rost. Abe Lucas is going to be joining us in just a few minutes. Seahawks practice wrapping up right now. Devin Bush to follow coming up at 1230. Before we get to it, I was curious to ask Abe, Plenty of questions about the Seahawks offense, but also whether or not uh, he and the rest of the offensive line got any gifts from Geno. Is that something that exists with any other position group? Like, did you no. ever get gifts as a player? Heck no. No? No, I think that's the O-line thing. I mean, because they're so underappreciated, right? You, you have to give them some love. Um, I saw who got these guys. Pat Mahomes got his guys golf carts, I believe. Yeah. That's a good gift. Uh, yeah, that's a good one. Drive around the neighborhood. Uh, but no, uh, <laughs> you know, if I had a golf cart, I've been trying to get my wife to buy me a golf cart for like three, four years. I go around Monroe. I would never drive my car in town. I truly think yeah. you'd be there. Like you'd be like, guys, I'll be in in four hours and <laughs> taking the golf cart. One year, I got the entire linebacker room a bottle of uh, Dom Perignon to share. Yeah, they were selling it at Costco. <laughs> so I went and yeah, I got everybody one. So that but other than that, no, usually not for other positions. Uh I used to try to whenever there was a defensive tackle and we were out, I would buy their drinks. Here's because what, they take care of us linebackers, right. right? Here's what I didn't wonder enough for Patrick Mahomes to get his offensive lineman, you know, golf carts. Hey Patrick, your contract is five hundred million dollars. You better be getting them golf it's carts. Easy. However, a guy like Brock Purdy. Yeah. What are you buying your offensive linemen? I mean, your offensive linemen are making more than you are. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, you probably get them something low-key, some massages or something. I do, I do Chipotle coupons. They probably aren't expecting much from Brock, honestly. <laughs> They're like, man, everyone has an idea what everyone else is making. Obviously, it's public knowledge. So yeah. if they're a good offensive lineman, they're not expecting – they're not mad if they don't get something expensive. I need to find out if he got them anything. You I know, mean, they get uh, free massages now. They take people with them on the road. There's two gals that really? I, I wish I knew their names. But, yeah, they're um, they're on every trip. So, yeah, I guess the massage thing, nice. you don't really need to do that anymore, apparently. They yeah. didn't have that when you were playing, did nah. they? No. <laughs> massage Envy we used to go to yeah. back in the day. I remember that. 
Well, this is interesting from uh, San Francisco uh, newspaper SF Gate. Uh, Brock Purdy got some financial help uh, for getting gifts uh, for the players. Apparently, Christian McCaffrey uh, chipped in to get some gifts for the offense. Each each teammate got a personalized golf bag, yeah, a gift PhD. certificate for a custom fitted golf clubs and a bottle of tequila. Mm-hmm. Shout out Christian McCaffrey. I know that it's their opponents. You know, we don't <laughs> we don't want to shout them out, but that's nice. Yeah. Get a, get another player with a sizable contract to help you out. What do you think he went and said? Uh, let's go ninety ten on this. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, what do you say? You know, I chip in I don't know fifty bucks yeah. a person, <laughs> and then you can do the rest. You know, like how about that? Um, Let's talk about uh, the offense uh, just a bit before Abe gets here. Practice just wrapped, so they should be here in uh, in just a moment. Um, I think that we've seen a difference uh, with this offense, obviously, since having most of the offensive line back healthy. Has there been another difference that either of you, Bump, I'll start with you, have seen when the with the offense? I mean, it could be like, hey, they're just better on third down. It could be like they figured this out. Like, what's what's something that you've seen change a little bit? Tight ends, more tight end action, more screens. I feel like JSN has kind of unlocked that. Bobo got himself a couple as well. DK has gotten him one. Um, yeah, that's, that's what I would say. It's just um, getting the tight ends involved more. Obviously, you got Kobe Parkinson with two touchdowns in the last three weeks, one being a game winner. Um, you got Noah Fant with one big play against the 49ers. Still waiting to see Will Disley kind of get into the groove, but I think now his role is just more to be the blocking tight end. I think when he does get a reception, it should be a big one because no one's really um, anticipating him mm-hmm. uh, doing that. So, yeah, I would say that the tight ends have been more involved lately in the screen game, even though there hasn't been um, a real big screen other than the one Zach Charbonnet had uh, at home a few weeks ago, like a 37-yarder. All the other ones have been 7-8 yard gains but those are just as good as runs you remember a few years ago there was the wildcat and then came the fly sweep this is the year of the screen my god everybody is running screens and variations off of that and you know we got a touchdown out of that from colby parkinson against the niners and gave up one to cleveland uh, on a you know two double fake screen you know tight end bleeds down the middle it just seems like this year that the screen game has just been huge but i think you know the one thing i was looking at Tyler Lockett hasn't gone over 100 yards this year. It really? In a single game? Yeah, he's got, like, I think 94, 85. And I thought he had a couple of very key catches in that game against Tennessee. The one especially where Geno, I think it was on the last drive, where he just rockets up, climbs the pocket because there's pressure, and he just threw threw a fastball to Tyler Lockett. He's right there. I mean, I feel like that guy's going to explode. But, you know, I think, He's trusting the receivers much more, uh, Gino Andrew, that they're going to make these ridiculous catches. They do. DK, just incredible, uh, some of the, the catches that he's made, including the one in, in Tennessee and a couple against the against Philly, and then JSN all of a sudden starting to come on. So it's almost like if you're Gino, you know, where do you go? You get so many right. targets. Which is a good thing. Well, and uh, thankfully you're going to have some time to find them, thanks to uh, your offensive linemen, one of whom, Abe Lucas, joining us right now. And, uh, Abe, my first question for you has nothing to do with the game coming up this Sunday and everything to do with the gifts that offensive linemen received. Did Gino and or Drew get you guys anything? Uh, There was, like, a wine decanter in my locker. 
I don't know who it was from, though, and I haven't really inquired, so it could have been from... <laughs> from anyone? <laughs> I was just, I mean, like... Did you take it home? Oh, of course I took it home, but, like, a bunch of people had them, and I was like, oh, okay, that's nice, and then I, I didn't ask, like, who it was from or anything, yeah. so I imagine it was little, from one of them. Didn't have a card on it or anything? No. It, it was, like, half-wrapped in, like, a bag and, like, you know, with all the paper around it, but you could just totally see what it was, so... Yeah. Okay. I can see <laughs> you just holding it up and giving an eye like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll it. <laughs> Gabe, you've been, um, you played uh, the whole game last game. I think your first game back, you played like 50%, then 80%, and, and uh, 100% back. Was that part of the plan, or were they kind of checking on, checking with you when you went to the sideline to see how you were feeling? Uh, that was more so the plan of like the first game. I think that was Dallas. Um, <clears throat> they had told me, you know, hey, you're going you're gonna to probably go 50 50%. It was like fine, and then, you know, they kept – kept checking in on me throughout the game and then uh it was the Niners next week the Niners it was I thought it was going to be 50 percent again and then I came out for one drive and then they asked me like are you good are you good to go and I was like well yeah I can go and then they're like okay you're back in and then from then on it was just nice. you know full reps yeah to take it take you a while to, to get back into the flow I mean you started as a rookie I mean most guys don't and so you did you feel like you got a little bit interrupted, or were you able to to keep that same flow that you had from last year? Uh, I mean, I don't really, I don't really look at it look at it as like a continuation. I kind of look at it as like year to year type thing. I mean, obviously this year for me has been different because I've missed most of the year, but um, I would say that I'm still kind of getting back into it. You know, I mean, there are a lot of guys have played a lot more football this year than I have, and it takes it. It's not that it takes a while to get going, but you know, reps are the most important thing. And when you have guys who have already had thousands of reps this year. And then, you know, somebody like me who's trying to get to that mark and just, you know, get myself going. So I'm just continuing to move forward in that regard. What was that uh, process coming back like? I mean, like, I'm sure there were different levels, too. First, I'm doing nothing. Then I'm able to do walkthrough. Then I'm sure the entire time you were in meetings. What was going on behind the scenes kind of ramping up to your return? So initially, after my after my little injection that I got, I actually wasn't, like, around the building for a couple weeks at all. And that was just mainly for, like, they wanted me to rest as much as I could. And I could couldn't really walk because it hurt so um i was just, just kind of yeah i was just kind of I was, I was staying at home um yeah, i was watching football i was trying to stay busy you know not go stir crazy and then like you said i kind of worked my way progressively back into meetings and then meetings and you know maybe one or two walkthroughs and then you know started being like non-contact sort of thing so yeah it's just a gradual build-up yeah. uh two two games two game winning drives uh two different quarterbacks what what are the differences and the similarities of the huddle when you got Drew leading the charge for a game winner and Geno leading the charge for a game winner? I don't I don't know if there's too many too many differences honestly. I mean the only difference is that they're not the same person. Like in my mind, I mean, I mean for me and for our, the O line, it's it's all the same. You know, we got to block and we got to you know do our assignments and you know it doesn't really matter who's behind us. We just protect for them. Hey, we were just talking about, it seems like to me, maybe I'm, I'm wrong, but it just seems like this is the year of the screen. Everybody's running screens all the time. Is that the timing on that? You know, you've got to do a fair amount of acting, right? Like you can't let that defensive lineman know that you're letting him go, right? Is that is that a play that you guys run that it takes a particular amount of, of practice and reps and things like that? It seems like some get, they say some teams are good at screens, some aren't. What, what do you think about about the execution of that? Is that something that just comes from practice? Uh, I mean, I would say it just more or less comes from practice. I mean, more teams, some teams do it more than others, obviously, but some teams, like, you know, it's part of their scheme more, you know what I mean? And so, you know, some teams practice it a lot. Some teams practice it sometimes. Um, 
And I mean, every play kind of has its own special technique that you can use. And it also depends, it depends on the front you're looking at, who you're going against and all that. So there's a lot of factors that kind of contribute to that. When Russell Wilson was still here, we used to always ask offensive linemen because he would obviously have these scramble plays or he'd randomly end up somewhere else. And we used to always ask offensive linemen, like, what's it like blocking for, you know, a mobile quarterback at the time early in his career? It's like mobile quarterbacks. Um, a bit different when it comes to a running back because there are plenty of guys that, you know, can can be really explosive. But have you ever had that moment with Ken Walker where you're like, how did he <laughs> how did he get 20 yards downfield? Like he just has these crazy plays. Have you had that moment? Yeah, all the time. I mean, Ken's a special running back, you know, and, and this early in his career, it looks like it's obviously very promising. I mean, we're part of the same class. Some of the stuff that he's able to do is just like, I mean, you can't help but just like be like, wow, you yeah. know, and it's it's it's. It's great for like us as O linemen because it's like if you miss a block and he makes his way out of it, then it's like okay, like it wasn't as bad as maybe yeah. it looked, you know. So that's nice. You could still claim the block, like you know, a cornerback will be like, "Not on me." Exactly. When the ball's, I think you should. I think you should do the equivalent of that. Like just start flexing. I don't know if that's really my style. <laughs> Probably not. Uh, all right, he is Abe Lucas, kind enough to join us after practice and uh, and chat about uh, about this game and this team for a bit. Abe, thank you so much. We appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Thanks, all right, you guys, uh, we are going to have uh, Devin Bruce joining us next. Don't go anywhere. This, this is the Huddle, presented by Hunt Services and Pacific Lamp and Supply. Every Thursday from noon to two on Seattle Sports. You are listening to The Huddle with Dave Wyman, Michael Bumpus, Stacey Ross, and joining us right now, right out of practice, Devin Bush. Devin, how's it going? How you doing? I'm doing fine. Uh, I was so sad to hear, and the thing is, Bump and Wyman were like, yeah, welcome to the life of a player. That You, you guys don't really get to sell, do much Christmas celebrating when you're so far from home. Mm-mm. Did you just take it easy? Did you buy yourself a gift? Like, what'd uh, you we do? Did. We did Secret Santa um, for the linebacker's room, so yeah. oh, I had nice. to do a little. Who'd you little, have? I had uh, Darren Bates. What'd you get? He helped. Um, I got a whole bunch of stuff. <laughs> so our limit was like five hundred dollars. Yeah. Oh, so I nice. bought like multiple gifts and stuff like that. So it yeah. was cool. I almost messed up my white my white Santa. I had my sister in law, and I didn't know. And I'm sitting there at our celebration, and my other sister in law is like, "What you get?" I go, um, "What are you talking about?" Because you didn't get the email, so I had to run to the store real quick. The email? They sent you an email. Email? I'm like, right? Come on now, get the email. You got my number. Yeah, text you sent me an email. Like saying? I'm about to be checking hey, my email. Hey, real, real professional in the oh, bumpers household. I yeah, guess. real. Uh, but uh, man, football, calendar invite, right? Man. Um, man, but you've been you've been getting some run, man. And yeah. You look you look comfortable out there, yeah. man. Uh, is uh, what's it like? Because uh, offensively, right when you switch playbooks, uh-huh. the the language is so different, but the concepts are the same. Yeah. What's it like defensively? Because defensively, I'm like, all right, cover two is a two, and yeah. three is a three. You know, this is the blitz. Like, what was that transition like from the playbook? Um, yeah, I mean, it was more language um, first for first like couple months. Uh, it goes like language, um, then it goes like rules, mm-hmm. and then like after rules, it's kind of like, all right, who am I playing with? You know, who's in front of me? Who's my three tech? Who's my nose? Who's my end? Who's my linebacker? Who's my safety corner? So you start, you kind of got to start like understanding how you play off one another. You know, whether you know. Oh snap! Um, this three text faster upfield, or this three tech kind of kind of holds, you know, mm-hmm. or, or crosses face faster than another one. So like stuff like that, right. it's like small stuff, you know, just more repetition things like that. Yeah. So I went from here to Denver, and we're in the same division. So we played them twice a year. Mm-hmm. Tended to get pretty fired up mm-hmm. uh, playing the Seahawks. Well, yeah. That was it was a good timing for you. You're probably going to be out there a lot. Honestly, of like so, I just got to say, you guys just you guys just look at God work, you know. Like, this whole year, I've been just knocking on the door, knocking on the door, and then, lo and behold, like, 
I, I didn't come here to play the Steelers, you know what no. I'm saying? I didn't sign here for that. So, right. I mean, the opportunity to just present itself is kind of like, hey, man, like, I couldn't have scripted this. Yeah. So, yeah. opportunity came, and this is what it is now. A little, little extra excitement, or you're, you're probably fired up for every game. Yeah, right? I'm always fired up for every yeah. game. Um, but I think this one's, like, more of, for me is not because of the formal team. I think it's just the opportunity mm-hmm. and the circumstances we're in right now. So, everything is like a must win. Yeah. So to you know to go out there and just perform, you know, and and, and prove to my teammates like I'm I'm here for the team, you know. So, you know, I mean, I, I couldn't I couldn't I couldn't script this. Any, I mean, I didn't script this, of course, but I I couldn't <laughs> want it any differently, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Now, you guys on defense had to do your job. You've held your opponents in two weeks to 17 points, but you've also in both games been standing on the sideline, mm-hmm. having to watch the offense get back into it. What's that like? It's tough. I mean, you can't do much. You know, so I mean, <laughs> throw me the ball, Gino. Yeah, it's like <laughs> I got hands. You know, you just sitting in the sideline, you just watching the game. Like those these last two games, it's just less to like the last, like going to the last drive. You just yeah. You don't know what to expect. I didn't know. I didn't know they were gonna throw a bomb in Jigba. I didn't know that. I just seen the ball in the air, and next you know we caught it. So it's like you don't know. You just you just got to do your job and just get those dudes as much opportunity as they can, and and kind of just limit you know what other teams you know just putting points on the board. Pittsburgh had a, a game last week. Um, George Pickens goes nuts. Mm-hmm. All right, what, 80-something yard touchdown, 66. Uh, but when you look at this team, I feel like they're going to want to try to run the football with their two backs. They got yeah. back there with Najee and then with, with Warren as well. Mm-hmm. Is that the feel you guys get? It's going to be a physical type of game? 100%. I mean, that's just the type of type of style they bring anywhere they go. I mean, they got those two backs for a reason. Um and obviously they don't have a picket back there, so I mean, what else would you do? Right. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, they're gonna they're gonna bring it. You know what I'm saying? They're gonna run the ball. I mean, we used to. I'm, and this is where you know this helps me out because right. I used to be in 907 with those guys for four years. Mm-hmm. So it's like I I got a feel for it and I got a I you know I got an eye for you know what to look for and what to see and how they move and how, who who they want to run with, run behind situation and stuff like that. Yep. Yeah, we were talking about that backup quarterback. It's late in the season. Mm-hmm. You want to run the ball on mm-hmm. the road, and then you know Mike Tomlin, mm-hmm. right? So and he's always been one of those guys. I, I look at, I go, I wish I'd played for him. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about his personality and the stamp that he puts on that team. Yeah, I mean, he's just he's he he's one of those one of those dudes where like, you know, his 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 actions, you know, he's like more of an action leader, you know. Um, you know, he's in the building all the time. He's watching film all the time. He's talking about football all the time. So I mean, if your head coach is doing that, you don't have no choice but to, you know, kind of follow suit. So I mean, he's a real like football, you know, junkie. You know, he really loved the history of the game. He'll come in. He he would come in and like team meetings and talk about like the history of like, you know, the matchups. You know, dating back from like the 80s, and 90s. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. it's like, you know, he's just a football junkie. He just loves football. So that's the type of energy he bring bring to the to the team. And you know, they they on the same kind of thing. They just kind of want to be football junkies as well. Yeah. All right, he is Devin Bush, kind enough to join us. Uh, you guys actually have a playoff clinching scenario this weekend, yeah, which huge. is never thought that we'd be rooting for a tie. But here we are. If you guys win, mm-hmm. which, knock on wood, yep. that's exactly what happens. That's the half that you can control. Mm-hmm. Uh, knock on their head. And then a tie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then a tie between the Vikings and Packers, and you guys are in. I mean, the, I never um, thought I'd be rooting for it. The Vikings won first. Right. So Am I wrong? they so there's a weird thing where like when you say tie like they got to go one on one. They got to tie. No, tie, tie actually the game. tie the like, game. Like tie the game. So Yeah, right? So here's the thing. <laughs> Hypothetically, we want the Vikings to keep losing. Yeah. So it's like ideally tie because if they tie and you guys win, you guys are in. If the Packers win, it's still good 
because it still pushes Minnesota back, but it's not a playoff clinching scenario. It's a, it's a very weird scenario. See, his reaction is perfect. He didn't care about all that. I'm I'm I know, yeah. I know, I know. I'm right now. <laughs> I'm like, we got to win. You can't lose. You know, we win. We punch you in know, the target. But Devin, it's like, how, how are you going to end the game with a tie? Don't even matter. Devin, I'm just telling <laughs> you and matter. our listeners that Sunday night football, if there is a tie, you guys have punched your ticket as long as you win. So that is a very a cool tie? scenario. So a like, tie. Over, there's no more yes. overtime? No, well, like overtime. into overtime so and with a tie. Overtime, yes. overtime, no, overtime. one overtime hits zeros. It's a tie. There hasn't been one this season, but if it happens, honestly, that's possible though. It's possible. What is this soccer? I'm just yeah. telling you guys what can happen. It's possible, but like, didn't the White Vikings win the first one? Yeah. No, they lost. They lost. I no. thought they won. No, they lost. They Lions, lost. Lions beat them. Oh, you mean the first the time first, they, they, the they played? And the, I don't know. The Vikings and the Packers, right? I think oh, the I don't like won. that. I think I the mean, Vikings won the first one. I think Did they still have Kirk though? I, I believe remember. so. Yeah, I it was mean, in Green Bay. But they have Justin yeah. Jefferson yeah. back? Oh, maybe yeah. not. I don't know. Damn. I know. I did not. They did lose Hawkinson for the season. I got to let yeah. you go. We're keeping you late. But <laughs> yeah. uh, all right, Devin, <laughs> no, thank you so much. Yeah, Good luck on it. Sunday. Thank That's you. the half you guys get to control. Yeah. We appreciate thank you, you appreciate joining it. us. All right, you guys, don't go anywhere. We're going to hear from Geno Smith next. This, this is the Huddle. Presented by Hunt Services and Pacific Lamp and Supply. Every Thursday from noon to 2 on Seattle Sports. Let's take a listen to Gino speaking with reporters now. Kind of feel like you're going into a normal week after all the ups and downs with injuries and uncertainty and all that? Yeah, um, you know, it feels pretty normal. You know, still taking care of everything as far as rehabbing and getting myself ready, you know, for Sunday. I feel like at this point in the season, uh, that's every single player on every roster. So, um, you know, just trying to get as healthy as I can and be ready for Sunday. What stands out about this Pittsburgh defense team when you look at it? Obviously, they're quite good. TJ Watts a thing, but, like, what else kind of well, uh, yeah, t- uh, starts with, uh, you know, T.J. Watt, 17 sacks, um, you know, one of the better defensive uh, defensive players in the league, uh, great edge guy, you know, a guy who uh, he has it all. You know, he's got the bull rush. He's got, um, you know, quicks on the edge. Uh, he's really good at uh, punching the ball out, causing um, causing havoc, getting turnovers to them, and also great at, you know, batting balls at the line of scrimmage. So uh, just being mindful of where he is at all times. Um, you know, knowing that we have to have a plan for him and uh, be able to make sure that he isn't uh, impacting the game the way that he has. Um, and then overall, you know, a Mike Tomlin coach team, uh, a defense that, that plays hard, that gives you gives you multiple looks. Um, they're going to go out there. They're going to fight. Um, they're going to compete. Um, they lead the league in turnover differential. Um, they're plus 10 right now. And, uh, you know, they get a lot of turnovers. And you can see they're in a lot of close games. They f- figure out ways to win at the end. Um, they keep believing, they keep fighting, very similar to how we are and how we're built. So um, a great defense, uh, a lot of good players on that side, some young players, but uh, another challenge. You know, they got Smith on the other side who's uh, got about seven sacks, but um, I think he's got two interceptions, uh, you know, a couple forced fumbles. So uh, a couple guys on that side we got to be uh, very mindful of. What have you seen in the way that they filled the holes of the secondary? They've had a lot of injuries, and, and now Patrick Peterson's played a new position, and there's a rookie starting at court. Yeah, yeah. Um, Shoot, man, I feel like I've been playing Pat, you know, my entire life since high school. Um, To see him transition into safety, he's always been an athlete. He's always been able to play all the positions, and I don't think that's no difference. You know, I think he's always going to be an impact player. That's just the type of guy he is, uh, type of ability that he has. And then, um, yeah, rookie corner, but uh, he's out there. He's playing like a vet. You know, he's he's uh, he's got a lot of confidence. Uh, You know, a taller, more slender guy, um, long arms. 
Uh, seems like he does well in and out of breaks. So uh, another guy we got to be, you know, on top of and make sure that, you know, when we're going at him, we're placing the ball in the right places. Um, they got a lot of talent, talented guys on that defense, on that team, and uh, we expect them to come in. They're fighting for their season, so we expect them, them to come in and uh, be prepared. What are you, you know, what are your thoughts on what Russell Wilson's going through? I'm um, just here to talk about Steelers. Okay, so free three was that wasn't was that a message of support for you? Uh, yeah, I'm talking about the Steelers today. Thank you. The run game has been a little bit hit and miss. You're getting the yards through the air, and you're getting the points that you need. What would having more yards on the ground do for options and just the offensive general? Yeah, I think um, again more yards on the ground, in the air, however we can get them, is going to help our offense, it's going to help any offense. We always talk about being balanced. That's a huge thing here. Uh, it's a big part of who we want to be as an offense. And so the more we can run the ball, um, the more efficient we can be in the running game. Uh, it'll open up everything else for our passing game, for our play action, uh, for the boots and the nakeds. Uh, it all works together. And it also allows the line to get settled in, allow those guys to uh, you know, move guys, get their feet moving, um, start to dominate games, take over games. Uh, it just helps out in a bunch of ways. So, of course, that's something we got to stay on top of. Does it matter what the I know balance doesn't necessarily mean it's 50-50. Does it matter what the yard, how the yards are distributed when you look at the final box score as long as the W is yeah, I don't think stats matter as long. The only stat that matters is a win. You know, I don't think any of those stats really matter if you don't win. Um, but obviously, you know, you want to be efficient in all, you know, uh, aspects of the game. And so whether that's passing, whether that's running, third down, red zone, you know, it's all about being efficient. And uh, that's, a, that's a big part of our offense. So uh, as long as we win, I could care less about how the numbers look. Uh, that's something we'll fix later. But uh, obviously we want to just be efficient and be, and be great at all things. You know, the red zone is all about positive plays. You know, um, it's a shorter field for the defense, right? So they obviously have that advantage. And um, as an offense, you know, you just want to continue to, you know, if you can, move the chains, continue to move the ball forward. You know, if you get any uh, negative plays in the red zone, it'll kind of set you back. So, you know, for us, we just talk about being positive. Um, around the league, the yards per rush is going to be down. The yards per pass is going to be down because of the shortened field. So uh, you just want to make sure that uh, you're being po getting positive runs, you know, two- and three-yard runs, uh, being able to move the chains. And then once you get inside that five, you know, just finishing the drive with a touchdown, whether that's a pass or a run. So being efficient down there in the red zone is big, too. Looks like Dan Marino and Damon Heward sent you a gift. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, that was cool. For the, the history that they referenced there, was that the yeah. two different quarterbacks leading game mm -hmm. drives? Okay. Yeah, uh, Damon Heward and uh, Dan Marino, they did it. And uh, I guess Izzo was actually on that team, so he, he might be uh, the common denominator in all this. And, uh, you know, they did it back then, and, and Drew and I were able to kind of uh, do that, you know, these past couple weeks. So it was cool to get that from them. Dan Marino has always been one of my favorite quarterbacks, and uh, that's something I'll, I'll hold on to forever. Were you a Dolphins fan growing up? I uh, wasn't a Dolphins fan, but was a Marino fan. I know. I, I actually just realized that, and that was, um, you know, it's kind of how football is sometimes, man. It just kind of happens like that. 17 to 20, uh, you know, both games, and you know, that was pretty cool, man. Just for both of us to have that moment, especially for Drew to have that moment, and uh, for it to come out the way that it, it has, you know, that was pretty cool. You hit Jackson for that 20-yarder to start the 96-yard drive. He had the third down on the last drive. Obviously, a couple game winners this year. What what about him as a rookie makes him come through in those big moments? 
I think it starts with his confidence. Um, he's from day one. Uh, Jackson's been the guy that's been extremely confident in his ability. Um, he wants the football, you know, and so those pressure moments, um, he's played a ton of big games at Ohio State. Uh, he's been the go-to guy all his life, so he wants the ball. And um, in those moments, he knows, you know, it's going to probably come to him. And um, he just gets to the right spot. He's got great hands. He makes uh, makes the tough catches look easy. And, uh, you know, he's a dynamic player. Uh, he's a guy, if, if they want to double DK and they want to double Tyler, uh, he's another guy that can win his one-on-ones. And I think he's continued to show that, you know, over the course of the season. Uh, way back in, shoot, when we were uh, in Miami throwing, kind of kind of hit him with a pass and uh, kind of hurt his finger a little bit. And most guys would kind of shut it down and be like, you know what, let's come back another day. He went inside, wrapped it up, came right back out and finished the drill. And so that, that to me spoke volumes about who he is. We are going in the trenches with Ray Roberts next. This, this is the huddle. Every Thursday from noon to 2. Presented by Hunt Services and Pacific Lamp and Supply. Let's go in! The Huddle. Entering hour two of a two-hour Seahawks preview. It is the Huddle with Dave Wyman, Michael Bumpus, and Stacey Ross. And joining us right now, Ray Roberts. We are going in the trenches. Uh, Ray, we just had uh, Abe Lucas on the show in the last hour, and we were talking to him about kind of like that journey back from injury and how long it takes to kind of like integrate yourself back into the offensive line. Um, how hard can that be for, for an offensive lineman when so much of what matters with that position group is chemistry and time together? Uh, well, it can be uh, – uh, can you guys hear me all right? Because I have you on speakerphone. Can you oh, yep, we got you. Okay. Yeah, it can be difficult uh, sometimes because of the timing of, like, playing with the guy beside you, whether it's the guard or the tackle. Uh, and then also just you individually getting back into the rhythm of the game, the speed of the game, the physicality of the game, because you don't have all of that in practice. And most of your practices are in, like, shells most of the time. So you're trying to come back to a really super physical football game without being able to be super physical on your way back. So uh, it can be a little bit challenging. I've had to do it a few times in my career. Um, you know, every every other year I've missed a couple games here and there. And so it was kind of a little bit difficult getting back into it. But, uh, but I think Abe and – and um, and uh, Bradford have worked well together. I think uh, the, that going down the stretch here, it'll be important for them to really uh, kind of get connected uh, with the running back and the running game to really make that thing work because, to me, that's where the magic is going to be for the Seahawks offense. Hey, Ray, um, I'm looking at, obviously, you got Watt coming into town. He has, what, 17 sacks. He leads the league. Um, how do you defend a guy like him? I mean, <laughs> Uh, maybe you don't. Maybe you try to contain him. But what what would be your approach? Well, the, the thing is, is like a guy like him, man. He's gonna make some plays, right? You just, you just hope that he doesn't make plays that are gonna like grossly impact, negatively impact the game for your offense. So you're gonna have to send tight ends at him. You're gonna have to send running backs at him. You're gonna have to you know chip a lot in and pass protection. But the dude is he to me. He's one of the harder dudes to defend because. Even when he when he's blocked, he's really good at jumping up and knocking the ball down. He'll find another pathway to the quarterback if you if you stop him from getting around the edge. He just keeps working until he finds a, a place to get to the quarterback. So I think the thing you you have to obviously like break the huddle, know where he is, then help his way. I would probably you probably better off running the ball at him, running play action at him versus uh, versus the other way. And so, but the chips and the, uh, you know, giving him more people to work through is going to be important. And then, you know, like he mostly rushes over the, uh, the right tackle. So big Abe is going to have to be the big Abe that we thought he was, you know, before he was all uh, hurt and stuff. He's a big, strong dude. 
He's a very gifted at pass protection. He did it well in college. He's done it well in the NFL, so it'll be a big challenge for him. So uh, part of the time, like, you're going to have to take your shots when, when Abe is going to have to block him by himself. And then other times, you're going to have to use a running back and a tight end to kind of chip at him. Hey, Ray, um, have you spoken with Anthony Bradford at all? I, I have not. I have not yeah. had a chance to speak to him. Well, I bring it up because he reminds me of you. Like he is a he's oh, a Mike. very like aggressive, fiery player, and you know he he drew a penalty the other day, and I saw you know afterwards there's a flag, and I'm like oh no man because he's gotten in, into little scuffles and things like that, but mm-hmm. he's a super nice kid, but he you know he's just got that that fire which can either help you or hurt you, and I feel like he's you know he's it's helping him, and that he's a he's a similar yeah. type of player. Did you how, how did you use that as a player? Without getting well, in too much they, trouble. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've got like a, you know, that's why I can identify with the DK Metcalf of the world because, you know, yeah. we're, people are complaining over DK for basically three penalties. The fourth one, to me, like he deserved, he needed to go punch that dude in the mouth. Uh, but, um, but that's just kind of part of it, man. If you can't play on the edge like that, then I don't know, maybe it's not the right game. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. you, you have to be willing to go as far as it will possibly take you just so that you know how far you can go. And uh, and so I think you have to be – I'd much rather have a guy that i got to dial back than a yeah. guy I have to keep preaching to every every day and every play to kind of keep him going. And so I like players that have that edge about him, and I like young players that aren't afraid of the veteran players that are across the field from him. Because sometimes as a, as a young player, you can give the veterans too much respect. You know, and I'm not saying you got to go out there and be a jerk, but you don't have to go out there and take any of their crap either. You know what I'm saying? Like we're 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 both men. Just because you've been in the league eight years and I've been in here one year doesn't 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 make the the manhood any different. And so we're gonna play the game that way. And I I love that he approaches it that way. To me, like <clears throat> Dave, I'm getting excited now because I hear it, Ray. I'm ramping you up, man. I'm cranking it up. I have this saying that I always use, it's low, hard, mean, and nasty. That's how you have to play uh, on the offensive line. And if you can't do the low, hard, and mean part, be an expert at the nasty part. <laughs> and the nasty part entails all of that. It entails grabbing a face mask, twisting an ankle, punching a gut, like whatever it is. Like, that, like the nastiness is a, is a bending for it all. And so that's what I love about Bradford is that when it, his technique isn't the greatest, Sometimes, you know, his, his position isn't the greatest. You know, maybe his conditioning isn't the greatest, but his nastiness is always on point, and I love that. I love yep. that about him. Yep. Ray, speaking of nastiness, what's the nastiest thing you've seen a teammate do to another player? Like, like when that nastiness from, an, from a lineman comes out where you were like, wow. Oh, well, I mean, like. It can be you. Yeah, I was going to say, Ray hasn't seen it. He's done it. It can be you. I've seen some guys do some, like, the the, the biggest thing, well, there's video somewhere of this. My second year, I think we were playing the Raiders, and Rick Meyer was our quarterback. And so we were down in L.A., and and every time we drop out the pass, you know, they, they were dropping so deep that Rick would just take off running. So we just, that became a play for us within the game. It's just, we, hey, we're just going to do this and let Rick run. Well, then Winston Moss tackled him one time, had him in the bottom of the pile, and I could see from where I was, he was pulling his face mask up and trying to punch him in the face under the pile. So I just took off about 15 yards away, and I, <laughs> I just freaking drilled this dude in the face with my forearm as hard as I could. Boom, knocked him off the pile. And then next thing I know, I had Tristan McLaughlin, all 340 pounds of him, like right in front of me trying to throw punches. So I was like, you know what? I'm on the Raiders' sideline. 
I'm one dude is gonna get it. Like I know, I know I'm gonna get it from somebody, but, <laughs> at but least one, one dude guy. is gonna get it. And yeah. so, and so I just, I just grabbed his face mask and just started getting in as many punches as I could possibly get in. And then I was getting clocked upside the head and knocked all over the place. And then, uh, and then I felt somebody like grabbing my shoulder, and I grabbed the, the dude and I pulled him like I'm trying to throw him off of me. And as he's going by, I realized it was a referee. So then I'm like, oh, I might as well get all my money's worth now. Yeah. And so I just started swinging at everybody and, uh, and got kicked out of the game. And, uh, but the cool thing about that story was I get to the locker room and they don't want me to come back out to the Coliseum because the fans and stuff will be, you know, ch- chirping at you. And so I'm in the locker room. It's before halftime. And I found this cooler that our trainers had that had beer in it. And so by the time the team came in at halftime, I was deep in somebody's locker, a few beers deep, and I didn't know what was going on. Everyone patted me on the back. Hey, man, appreciate it. Like, we were killing them at that point. I think it kind of gave us a little spark and went down there and beat them. And the coaches are coming up, like, all this other kind of stuff. And I'm just like, yeah, okay, but uh, can I get another Coors Light or whatever we're drinking? Right. Uh, but, yeah, I was, I, was, I was toasted in the locker room after that game. Ray, obviously we always love your insight. Uh, this might be my favorite answer you've ever given, though. This was uh, an amazing story. <laughs> I know how to get Ray cranked hey, up. Like, <laughs> hey, Dave, I'm not even lying, Dave. Like, I'm, like, sweating and everything. It's just, it's like you just, like, like people don't understand. Like, this is why the running game is so important for offensive linemen because, yep. when, like I say all the time, I said on here before, when we all started playing this game, we all played both sides of the ball, right? So you, yeah. you're used to making tackles and blowing people up and knocking the crap out of people. You don't get to do that when you pass block. You know what I'm saying? It's cool. That's a big part of the game. you got to be able to do it and make you one of the better linemen in the league and all that other kind of stuff. But, man, I didn't play ba- I didn't play football to come out and, and just play basketball with a dude. I played football to knock the hell out of somebody. And so when you're running the football, you get to do that. You get yep. to impose your freaking will on another person. And, like, and when it comes to the playoffs, the teams that are the better in the playoffs are the teams that dominate the line of scrimmage. And I think that's why the Seahawks need to get this running game going. And on defense, they need to, to buckle up and start – stopping the run because the teams that are healthy and can run the ball going into the playoffs tend to do the most damage. Hopefully we see plenty of that on Sunday. He is Ray Roberts. Kind enough to join us for the huddle. Thanks so much, Ray. Have a good one. No, thanks for having me. Now I got to go find somewhere to towel off. There you go. (laughs) Thanks, big Ray. See you, Ray. All right. We're going to have another one of your favorite voices. Steve Ray will join us next. Don't go anywhere. This, this is the Huddle. Huddle, presented by Hunt Services and Pacific Lamp and Supply. Every Thursday from noon to two on Seattle Sports. You are listening to the Huddle with Dave Wyman, Michael Bumpus, Stacey Ross, and right now, Steve Rabel Rapes. How's it going? It's great, guys. How are you doing? Everybody have a nice Christmas? Uh, I had a wonderful. You guys have a good Christmas? Oh, yeah. Awesome. Everyone had a good Christmas here, Rapes. We're, we're proud to report. Uh, maybe that was helped. In- in part by uh, the Seahawks winning their second consecutive game. It's kind of nice to win two in a row. It is indeed, yeah. Um, my first question for you is a, is just going to be a vibes question, Rabes. It feels um, especially important to me that the last two games were won in the fourth quarter. Like, I know it's frustrating that they weren't dominant wins or they didn't get involved earlier, but for a team trying to, you know, scratch and claw its way back into the playoffs after losing four in a row, it felt important that they could kind of prove you couldn't you know, doubt them in these two. And and it doesn't come by just luck. It right. doesn't come by just somebody making uh, one crazy play here or there and suddenly you win the game. I mean, we've given 
a great deal of credit, obviously, to JSN for the big catch, uh, Gino and Colby for the big touchdown at the end of this last game. But there's a lot that goes into winning a game like that, not the least of which is simply believing you can do it. And I think that's one of the most remarkable things about Pete uh, Carroll teams is that when he talks about in the locker room after the game about you can't win it in the first quarter or the second quarter or the third, but you can win it in the fourth, that's a belief system. That's an understanding of how good you are and can be if you do things the right way. And so, uh, you know, what would the odds be that you win another game in the fourth quarter in the last drive, 20 to 17? I dare say somebody will have that statistic. Uh, and if that happens on uh, on Sunday afternoon, Dave, I know we're going to hear that, that this has never happened before in the history of the National Football League. Yeah, um, and I think we're going to hear a lot of holy catfishes also <laughs> if that happens. But I, it, Yes, I believe you're right. Yeah, Rabes, you know, I was uh, I was happy to to hear Pete talk. Well, I wasn't happy about calling the run defense rope-a-dope, but, uh, you know, some of those things that, that we saw, I mean, first of all, they've given up a lot of rushing yards over the last couple of weeks, but we've not been giving up the explosives. And I thought that was kind of a quiet thing that kind of happened that you look back later because after that San Francisco game, that was ridiculous. I mean, you know, they had their – the number 10 longest uh, play was 20 yards and everything was above that. And you look at the last couple of weeks and, you know, I was kind of grumbling a little bit about the run defense, but it seems like it it's worked. I mean, it's obviously kept both teams at 17 points and, and, you know, you got, you got wins there and then, you know, just totally limited the explosive plays. Pretty, pretty interesting, but uh, you know, effective uh, game plan as far as Pete goes. Yeah, and, and as he was saying this week, uh, you know, just in the second half against Tennessee, the way they were able to kind of shut down the run, um, we're looking at another kind of team in Pittsburgh uh, like we've seen several times this season, including this last weekend against Tennessee, and that is a team that can run the ball pretty well, doesn't score a lot of points, and they haven't all season long, mostly because their their quarterback situation has been so up in the air. But that in the last couple of weeks, and especially last week against the Bengals, huge explosive plays uh part of that comes from the the new quarterback back basically the old quarterback mason rudolph who's been there for a while and just sort of languishing on the bench but he came up with some huge plays to pickens uh deontay johnson is a big play guy at wide receiver and of course Najee harris is kind of a battering ram so this is exactly the kind of team that the seahawks need to guard against you just cannot give up those explosives. They've done a good job in adjusting and doing whatever it takes to take those away. And now, you know, you just, with their with their offense, if, if they're not scoring on big plays, they've had trouble scoring points. So it, it kind of sets up for the Seahawks defense doing what it has done the last couple of weeks and then giving your offense a chance to get out there. And as, as DK said yesterday, well, it's great to win it in the fourth quarter, but I sure would like to win in the first, second, or third quarter. Score enough points that the fourth quarter doesn't become that that place where you have to make plays. We'll see if that happens on Sunday. Hey, Raves, there's a situation that I'm gonna I'm gonna play pay close attention to. I think most people do either way it goes. Um, it's the red zone. Uh, you look at this Pittsburgh Steelers defense, and they're around twenty something when you look at all the the major. Uh, categories when you're judging a defense except for red zone defense man they're fifth when it comes to red zone defense and the Hawks are 28th when it comes to red zone offense 
Um, how how do the Hawks get better at this? Is it is it just winning your matchups? Is it play calling? What, what are you seeing? Uh, it's always a combination of that. Uh, but when you take a look at what Pittsburgh has, especially with T.J. Watt, uh, Cam Hayward is still really good. But they've got so many injuries to the Steelers on defense. I mean, they've lost a couple of safeties already. Uh, they've got rookies playing all over the defense, Joey Porter being one. But then again, you've got guys like veterans, Patrick Peterson. I mean, he's one of the best cornerbacks ever. He's he's seen a lot of time at safety in the last couple of weeks just because of all those injuries. But this is a pretty good defense, and especially when you don't have as much ground to cover behind you, you know, it makes it easier in the red zone in a lot of ways. And that means the Seahawks on offense really have to be stout, up front especially, because if you can score on the ground, which has been a bit of an issue uh, for this team uh, at times, then you can control the play-action pass game and maybe find a way to score a little more easily uh, through the air. But this, this defense is not going to give you anything up front, especially this, this Steelers defense. So, you know, it, I don't know that it's going to be any easier than it's been all season long. They're just going to have to find ways to do it. But um, but I, I I kind of trust in what Geno and the and the offense have been able to do last week and before that Drew uh, in getting down there in that red zone and, and making something happen. How does Mason Rudolph, presumably starting this game, change the way that you might see it? It's really interesting about him. I mean, I, you know, I remember back in I'm old enough to remember 2019, whereas many of you kids can't. Uh, <laughs> but that's that's when Mason Rudolph actually saw a fair amount of action against the Seahawks uh, back there in Pittsburgh when uh, Roethlisberger got hurt. And they ended up, the Steelers did end up losing that game by, by a pair, 28-26. Uh, he's, the guy, he's got a big arm. He's a big, strong guy. Uh, he can kind of shake off a possible blitz. One of the reasons why he was drafted by Pittsburgh, to be that heir apparent to Roethlisberger, it's just never sort of panned out for him. Uh, but he can do a lot of things, and and um, least of which is uh, not the least of which is throw the ball deep, just throw it up and let your guys run under it. And he's got some targets now that can do that. So uh, I think he's he's the guy for the moment, at least. Kenny Pickett, they really like. It's just that he's had some ups and downs. He's only a second year guy. I think he played better last year as a rookie than he was playing this year. But uh, Mason Rudolph is the guy right now. He's brought him a little spark. And let's hope we can, you know, kind of damp and throw a bucket of water on that spark. <laughs> All right. Uh, Raves is going to be on the call for this game on Sunday, along with Dave Wyman. Seahawks taking on the Steelers week 17. Thanks so much, Raves. Thanks, Raves. Thanks, guys. Good talking to you. See you, buddy. All right. Still a lot to come your way. We're going to have John Boyle join us for some final thoughts as we wrap up our preview of this game coming up at 44 after quickly. Uh, final 30 seconds of this. Bump, I know you've been watching uh, a lot of tape on this team. What are you most curious to learn from Brooke Pryor when we have her on in just a couple minutes? Um, maybe just what she thinks the strength of this team is. Um, I know how they want to attack the uh, the Seahawks defense, I think. Yeah. Um, but how much confidence is in Mason Rudolph? Because eventually he's going to have to make some throws. I think last week, he kind of got lucky, honestly. I'm looking at the film. There's a slant that went 80-something yards, there. missed tackles, horrible angles. There's a, a bench route where the corner's eyes are in the backfield. And I go, without those two plays, he has an average-looking day. Um, so just how much do they really trust in this Mason Rudolph. I'm hoping that um, it's his fool's goal what happened last week. I'm so curious to see what we're going to hear from Brooke, and that red zone stat is going to be stuck with me. <laughs> that discrepancy the, is pretty concerning. Yeah. 
Yeah. They, they faced that last week, too. Yeah, Titans. You Looking know, at tit- a good red zone defense. Titans were number two, and it was kind of oh, hard to explain wow. because they were pretty crappy at everything else. Yeah. Including, especially taking the ball away. I think they had their number one interceptor had one yeah. interception. Um, nobody had double digits. So, yeah, it's kind of it's kind of weird, that, that stat. But I don't know if some teams are better at playing on a compacted field, you know, when mm-hmm. you get inside the red zone. The other thing is I know the Titans gave up a ton of explosive plays, so some teams weren't scoring from the red zone right scoring, scoring from, from the, the 40 40 or 40 or 50 <laughs> all right well um we're going to learn a little bit more about the steelers brooke Pryor, who covers the steelers is joining us next don't go anywhere this this is the huddle presented by hunt services and pacific lamp and supply every thursday from noon to two on seattle sports this is the huddle with Dave Wyman, Michael Bumpus, and Stacey Ross. We are getting an opponent preview with Brooke Pryor of ESPN. She covers the Steelers. Um, Brooke, uh, my first question is just clarification. I saw that you had been tweeting some quotes from Kenny Pickett, who spoke with reporters yesterday. Just to confirm, it's Mason Rudolph starting Sunday, right? Well, that's the expectation, uh, but the door is open for Kenny Pickett. Um, And that's why it's been a little uh, bit of an interesting week in Pittsburgh because Mason Rudolph has gotten all the team reps with the ones. Um, He's gone through practice much in the same way he did last week. But Kenny Pickett has been listed as a limited participant in practice. And based on what I know about Pickett and the way that he conducts himself in the way that he tries to play through things. I mean, he's been injured um, not significantly to like a a season ending type of injury or anything earlier this year with, I think he had a bone bruise on his knee. He had a ribs injury, two things that put his availability in doubt and he rebounded and pushed to play and did play the following weeks after those injuries. So he does not like being on the sideline, um, but it seems like this is not a decision that he gets to make. This will be up to the trainers and the coaching staff, whether they feel comfortable putting him out there. Um, at this point, I would expect it to be Mason Rudolph, but I don't think that we will have um, any kind of significant clarity until tomorrow afternoon or maybe even pregame. I'm looking at uh, the quarterback situation in Pittsburgh, and I see some similarities over here in, in Seattle. Um, well, I'm, well, my question is, are there some similarities, honestly, because um, you have your – your Geno crowd who are loud and proud and think Geno should be the guy. But then you also have um, fans that fell in love with Drew Locke with his two starts. Did Mason Rudolph do enough this year or with that start uh, last week to uh, to have people want to flip and see him play instead of Kenny? Yeah, it's a really interesting situation because I think that there's a lot of parallels, not only in the quarterback situation in Seattle right now, but especially in Mason Rudolph's career or what he hopes his career will turn into and Geno Smith's career. Um, You know, Mason's a guy that he's only been with the Steelers, but I mean, he got thrown into the starting job in 19, obviously a very tumultuous um, situation starting kind of stretch here between being concussed and knocked out against Baltimore to having his own helmet swung on him by Miles Garrett in Cleveland gets benched. I mean, it was just chaotic. And after that, he really didn't get a shot to be, a starter again um, until this year now when Mitch Trubisky got benched. And I think that the feeling in Pittsburgh is that it is somewhat evenly split between the people that want to see Mason, at least fan base wise, the people that want to see Mason go back out there and the people that want to see Kenny get back out on the field. Um, And it's kind of a stunning turn of events when, you know, you consider that Mason Rudolph was, 
kind of the the scapegoat for the Steelers' struggles in 19, and he was kind of just the guy that was the butt of a lot of Steelers fans' jokes um, when they you know talk about the quarterback situation. But the way that he played against the Bengals, you know, the Steelers' offense with both Pickett and Rudolph really lit up the Bengals' defense. But it was the way that Rudolph did it. He stretched the field. He showed his arm. He got just the vertical game more involved than opened up the run game, and it just felt like things were easier in a way that they haven't been for the Steelers offense for most of the season. And so I think that maybe the the prevailing narrative is that Mason should start. People want to see him because it's been so long since they've seen consistently good offense. Hey, Brooke, you could say this for the Seahawks, too. I mean, we start out game one, play the Rams, get killed. Then go on the road to Detroit and win in overtime, which was a really tough, you know, place place to play. And then you know, just got worked by the Ravens. You look at Pittsburgh. I mean, they beat the Ravens, and and then they lose to New England. It just seems like it's it's kind of very. I'd say in general, maybe in the NFL, it, it's kind of like that. But what what is what happens in those games where, you know, they go to they go to Houston and they they lose thirty to six, and then you know you go to you go to the uh, the Rams which have been a really tough team for us and beat them by a touchdown. What's the difference and, you know, what what do you sort of, where do you point for those kinds of kind of wild swinging wins and losses? Yeah, I mean, it's, I've been covering the Steelers now. This is my fifth season and it feels like that every season ends up coming down to this because there's just so many swings and, and inconsistencies throughout the season but to me the thing that that has made this season different is that the offense hasn't established an identity um they want to be a run first team and the games that they win they are a run first team but the games that they're losing and just getting the doors blown off are games where they're not running the ball effectively where they're not committing to the run game and the biggest different a differentiating factor to me is just the sloppiness and the lack of execution. And that's come up with a bunch of penalties with, you know, uh, errors in, in formations, these pre-snap penalties, leaving guys uncovered at the line. It just, they're making these boneheaded mistakes. I think Mike Tomlin called it, they're making September mistakes in December. And that's the thing that really was going wrong for them in the last three games before this, this second Bengals game that they were able to come out and win it and really dominate on. Um, but I think that they just – the offense has not been working all year, and then they have the coordinator change, and it just showed that there was fundamental mistakes being made, fundamental things that either weren't being coached on offense or the message just wasn't getting through. And so because of that, it's led to these just wild swings and these white-knuckle wins and these blowout losses. Um, and it's it's hard to tell which direction this team's going to go after a pretty convincing win against the Bengals. Hey, last one and just a a quick one, Brooke. I'm just glancing at the injury report. Najee Harris uh, didn't practice with a knee injury. Minka Fitzpatrick didn't practice with a knee injury. Um, What's uh, the latest from Tomlin on those guys? You know, I I don't think that Najee's injury is going to be something that keeps him out. He's been dealing with it for a couple weeks now. It seems to be just a lingering issue. Minka Fitzpatrick, though, I would be surprised if he played. I talked to him briefly today. He said the knee's getting better, but didn't have any real concrete updates on that. So I think that I would expect him to not be on the field Sunday, but there's nothing official on that yet. 
She is ESPN's Brooke Pryor, kind enough to join us for an opponent preview this Sunday's game between the Seahawks and Steelers. I am shocked. It was like every question you answered, I felt like saying, you know, that's funny you say that, Brooke, all of us. Similarities here in Seattle. It's going to be a fascinating game on Sunday. Thanks so much for joining us. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Thanks. Before we get to uh, John Boyle coming on, that's really how it felt. Like yeah. Even with the identity one, my follow-up exactly. was almost, and it was the same stuff. It's yeah. the same issues with the run game. I was going to interrupt her and say, this sounds oddly familiar. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All this stuff. Everything you're saying. Oh, yeah. and there's like a, a safety who's struggling to get healthy and mm-hmm. <laughs> everything happening. Uh, all right. John Boyle, uh, Seahawks.com reporter, is going to join us next, and we'll recap our final thoughts heading into this one. Don't go anywhere. This is the Huddle, presented by Hunt Services and Pacific Lamp and Supply. Every Thursday from noon to two on Seattle Sports. You are listening to the Huddle with Dave Wyman, Michael Bumpus, and Stacy Ross. Joining us right now as we wrap up our thoughts and take a final look at a preview of Seahawks Steelers. John Boyle of Seahawks.com. John, how's it going? It's going great, Stacy. How you doing? Good. You're very throwback today. You know, I just felt like breaking out yeah. some throwback here today. Oh, I wish we had one more game in these throwback games. I know. Unis, so great. Alas, we do not. Uh, Darn rules. I know. We may have a throwback style, though. You see what I did? Hey, Some, uh, some good old-fashioned running of the football going on in this game is that kind of the attack you're expecting from Pittsburgh I mean yeah I would think both because that's you know something they've leaned on in the past and also you know they're going to look at what the Seahawks have done well and haven't done well lately and the Seahawks you know last couple games especially they've taken care of the passing game really well but they have been susceptible some running yards so yeah I'm I'm sure the Steelers with a backup quarterback are going to look to test that I'm looking at uh, Mason Rudolph, and I'm I'm watching a film, and I'm just not convinced. <laughs> but I know how this game is, man. Yeah. Sometimes you just you're in the zone, and things happen. Um, what do you think the best approach is for Mason Rudolph? Would you would you keep the show that we've seen the last couple of weeks, keep things in front, or would you challenge him and, and make him make some tough throws? Yeah, I mean, we'll see. I don't know enough about how they were using Mason Rudolph last game to you know give you a game plan, but I I think that in general they really like what they've seen out of their pass defense. I mean, they didn't give up a play longer than 17 yards in the passing game last mm-hmm. week. So if you can do that, keep it all in front of you and say to Mason Rudolph, like, look, can you go 12 plays without making a mistake and dink all the way down the field? Mm-hmm. You know, they might take their chances there. Hey, I don't know if this happened here or if you were looking on uh, like social media or anything, but I was walking through the stadium at halftime to get a hot dog or whatever. Mm-hmm. And people As were, one does. Yes. yes. And people were saying, hey, it's the time to go to Drew Locke. Yeah, I heard that. I heard that a little bit on social media. Yeah. So and you look at Gino, I mean, really wasn't, you know, he didn't he threw for 70 yards, 63 percent completion, no touchdowns, no interceptions. But the second half, 75 percent, 158, two touchdowns. I mean, do you get a lot of that or like people? I mean, it's not too surprising. No, I mean, look, we as long as there's been football, I feel like the backup quarterback is always going to be popular because anytime something is going a little bit wrong. I mean, look, there's maybe one or two throws I can think of in that first half that could have been a little better. But for the most part, I didn't watch that half and think the offense isn't functioning because of the quarterback. It was, you know, there were some protection issues. They weren't running the ball very well. It, you know, it, look, Geno Smith has been the starter here for a reason. He's a really solid quarterback, and they really trust him. And, you know, once he got going in the second half, he was really good. You just mentioned those numbers, and that includes a game-winning drive. He made some great throws on that drive. Really so. Good. Yeah, I mean, they, look, they'd love to be great for four quarters, and that's the goal, and they're hoping to get there. But I, I still think there's a ton of trust in Gino in this building. What have you seen in those final two minutes or in those quick drives where, you know, it's a it's a comeback? Because those drives are just especially efficient for this team right now. Yeah, I think it's 
more than anything, it's just kind of the collective group, the calmness of it. Like you don't see, you watch some teams go through a two minute drive and it's a little like scattered looking and guys maybe panicky. get a little panicky and this. And I think that's, you know, we heard Geno Smith talk about this after the game, how much they practice it here and what a big emphasis. I mean, not that every team doesn't practice two minute, but Geno Smith has been a lot of places and he was saying like, it's different here, the amount of emphasis they put on it. So mm-hmm. I think, you know, and obviously just having a lot of good weapons really helps in those moments because it's one thing to throw the ball when you're balanced and all that, but when teams know you're throwing it really helps when you have three legit yeah. receivers and some really capable tight ends and all that as well what do you make of o-line play um the last few weeks i got pretty much the whole band together yeah which is in here said he's played every snap last game what are you seeing there yeah i mean i think getting it back a few weeks ago has really made a big difference it, i i still think they're looking for more consistency in the running game in particular um you know it hasn't just hit quite like they want but i i do think that group they they like the growth they're seeing out of them and you know, I think Anthony Bradford's a guy that, you know, he's a rookie. He's going to have his mistakes, but I think there's a lot of upside there that they really like as well. We just had Devin Bush in here. Really excited to see this kid play. I mean, we got yeah. a chance to see him last week. But, you know, he's interesting story. I mean, he's playing his former team mm-hmm. now, and I, there's always a little extra juice, whether whether you want to admit it or not as a player. I yeah. know that was the, the case for me. But he's really uh, kind of an interesting story, kind of chance to get a fresh start, and kind of ironic that he's, you know, going to get to start this game against yeah. his old team. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's funny how the timing works out of, you know, he's a, he's a guy all year kind of behind some really good linebackers on the depth chart now Jordan Brooks is hurt and we don't know for sure but it sounds like he might have a hard time getting back and if not as he said he starts against his former team and you know he's a guy they brought in I you know I think they brought him in expecting him to have a pretty big role because they didn't necessarily think Jordan Brooks would be back week one because of that right. injury so he's a guy that maybe they thought would play more when they signed him but Jordan Brooks made this crazy you know less than eight month recovery and was back so he's a guy with you know ton of physical ability as you said he's a first round pick and he got off to a great start in his career and then had I think an ACL some sort of serious injury in his second year and just didn't quite get back to form there so yeah, this is not, you know, plug it in a backup who you don't think can get the job done. This is a very capable guy. Uh, a guy who could be coming back, Jamal Adams, mm-hmm. um, has faced a lot of criticism, and, and some of it completely fair. Julian Love, meanwhile, has played really well for two mm-hmm. weeks. Um, is there an area where, let's say, Jamal is healthy and maybe they're splitting reps, Pete doesn't know what he wants to do. Is there just an area of phase of the game where you think, I would still love to see Jamal in there? Yeah, I mean, look, I, I think – you know, the knee has obviously held him back a little bit this year and he hasn't been himself, but I do think he can still be, he's still a really physical guy, good tackler. I could see a scenario where if you don't want to take Julian Love off the field as well as he's playing that Jamal can sort of be that big nickel that he can play in the box. He's good against the run. He can still blitz. So I, I definitely think he can still help this team quite a bit in certain areas. But if A, you're worried about his health with that knee and B, you just don't want Julian Love to leave the field playing the way he is, that could be a role that would make sense for him. Almost like we didn't really get to see it because of Jordan Brooks's injury, but they wanted Bush to be sort of that. They called it a big nickel in the last game where if you're facing a more run heavy team, instead of having a third safety on, it's more of a linebacker. Well, in this case, you know, Jamal's list is a safety, but he can play more like a linebacker. Yeah. You covered this guy for a while. So I got to ask you about him. What do you think about Russell Wilson and the situation over in Denver? I mean, look, I, I'll, I'll use the Geno line. I'm here to talk about the Steelers. No, um, I, <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, it's obviously always unfortunate in these situations when things don't go the way the team or the player wanted. But, you know, I'm not there, so I don't have a great feel for what all is going on behind the scenes. Uh, you gave me the boring answer. I mean, what do you want? I can't give you I know. Yeah. I know. <laughs> you can't tell us what you really. No, I'm kidding. No, no. Kidding. We're not going there. Yeah. Hey, we were talking earlier about sort of the, the wild swings with uh, 
Brooke, the reporter in, uh, I'm sorry. What, oh, Brooke Pryor. Uh, Pryor. You know, and I, I, you're looking like they lose to New England and then they go and beat the Rams and kind of, mm-hmm. I feel like that's kind of us. And she was explaining, you know, what are the successes and what are the failures? And it was like a failure to really establish an identity of what this team is. But I think the one thing they do really well, like where they hang their hat you know, like a third of their games, they've had comeback drives, yeah. you know, for Gino to be able to do that. And I think it's kind of interesting because whenever someone judges a quarterback, they're like, uh, can he take you on a game winning drive? Mm-hmm. That's usually the question. The other one is, you know, can he do that in the playoffs? But I mean, that's something that they kind of can hang their hat on, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's as long as Pete Carroll's been here, he makes a big deal out of finishing and they've done that really well this year. I mean, what, four, yeah, you said four gaming drives for Geno Smith plus one for Drew Locke. Yeah. I remember it's funny because early last season when Geno was a starter and he was playing really well, that was sort of the thing people were throwing out there. It was like, oh, but can he come through in the clutch? And yeah. it was like, I think it was, was it the Rams? He did it midway through the season. It was yep. sort of the first time. And now it's he's doing it almost every week, it feels like. And it, that's a big deal. And I mean, so many games in the NFL, you, I mean, Team the Seahawks beat last week, the Titans. They now have, I think, with that loss, eight losses, seven or eight losses by single score margins so that's the way this league is and sometimes the difference between being five and ten like the titans are right now and an eight-win team like the seahawks is finishing those games final minute 30 you guys know how we do this i always end with refresh my stupid prompt that you guys all hate (laughs) you have choices though okay Okay. it's either choose which one you want it's one's called keep it rolling and one's called spirit of giving okay which one do you want keep it rolling keep it rolling what is something the Seahawks have been doing well, something you liked in the last game or even in the game prior, that you want to see them do more of? John, you can go ahead and go first. We'll wrap up with, with Taking Bob. care of the football. They Two straight games without a turnover. They're 5-1 and one when they don't turn the ball over this year. Pittsburgh's tied for first in the league in turnover differential, so don't give the ball away. Yeah, there Line you in. go. Um, I, I would say continue to... Um, limit the big plays you know they've had a 23 yarder and a 20 yarder have been in the last two games the biggest plays that they've given up so as much as i don't like the term rope-a-dope for a run (laughs) defense uh i if they can continue to do that i think they get a win bump uh keep distributing the football last week four receivers two running backs and two tight ends all had receptions you guys all had the wrong answer what is it win well, I mean, <laughs> I'm just kidding. These are all great answers. You're right, um, Bump. You know, Gino gets in a, on a roll. Like he gets yeah. when he starts distributing it to. Mm-hmm. And there's one driver. It goes Bobo, Walker, Lockett, uh, DK. So. Yeah, yeah, awesome. Makes yeah. it tough on a defense. Um, John, thank you so much for joining us. You guys can read more from John Boyle at Boyle. Uh For Dave Wyman, Michael Bumpus, I'm Stacey Ross. This has been the Huddle.